Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast. In today's show, Mitch Light joins us as we will talk Commodore baseball. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt with another midweek baseball game on Tuesday. The Commodores take on UT Martin at Hawkins Field, first pitch at 630 Central. And, of course, as always, you may watch that on the SEC Network Plus which is available on the ESPN app. Today's guest line presented by our friends at Bowling Branch, Scott and Missy Tannen. They are both Vanderbilt graduates and boosters of Vanderbilt Athletics and also supporters of this show. I have slept on Bowling Branch sheets for years. You've heard me rave about them and for reason. Recently, I stayed outside of my house for a week as we were getting some work done on our place and found out that Bowling Branch sheets are just a cut above everything else. Uh, you sleep so much better on them at nights. They get better with every washing. Give it a try. Don't just take my word for it. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code FANDY. Get $50 off your first order of sheets, and you can thank me for that later. Mitch Light joins me, as he does every week. Mitch, hope you're doing well. Let's get right into it. Chris, probably are going to go a little shorter than normal. Really impressive series win for Vanderbilt at LSU this weekend. Uh, yeah, and good morning, Chris. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. it um, you know, a, a lot can be said about LSU being down and all that, but in not full capacity. But anytime you go to Baton Rouge and, and you sweep, and I wouldn't say made it look easy because Sunday was was definitely, uh, you know, some 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 tight moments there. But just the the completeness of the uh, uh of the wins pitching starting pitching relief pitching hitting the ball hitting the ball hard at some point on, i was talking to my son at some point on sunday and you know i have to go back and look at it if the game was decided on hard contact vanderbilt would have won sunday's game easily and now I, I missed one or two innings but it just seemed like lsu wasn't making hard contact and you know in vanderbilt was and then obviously in the, in the two blowout wins vanderbilt hit the ball very well so yeah, just a, just a really, really complete weekend, I thought. This lineup, man, I think that everybody is fixated on Rocker and Lighter, and, and of course they should be, right? But I think that lost in that is how good this bunch is top to bottom. Yeah, and then you get Isaiah Thomas, who's hitting the ball well, goes down, and maybe I don't know have any information. You might have some information on that. Spencer Jones comes in, and... You, you kind of see why and we know Spencer Jones is a really talented kid. And I think baseball America even had him second team preseason all American. Uh, you, you see why the, the staff keeps putting him out there to, for chances. Cause they know he can hit the ball and he hit the ball very well. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen take Colwick go down and move some things around that. Now what this does is it creates a, some very difficult decisions when, when, and if everyone's healthy now, Colwick, I don't know the status, it always seemed like I thought three to six weeks for a ham, it seems optimistic. Um, but it's just one of those when you're watching a team, a lineup, and you, you're you not surprised if anyone hits the ball hard or almost if anyone hits a home run, 
that's what this lineup is like up and down the line, you know, uh, from top to bottom, just consistent, consistent production. Well, on that note, people had questioned Jack Bolger's inclusion in the lineup. And I'm like, I don't mean to be rude towards anybody, but I'm thinking, I wonder how many of you guys are watching baseball because I watched that kid hit. I love his approach. I think he's hit into a lot of hard outs this year. And that stuff always evens out in baseball over time. And you're seeing that now. I yeah. think that kid is is going to be trim- – I mean, he is a – from what I understand, he's a top-notch pro prospect, and if he can catch at any level, you know, you're looking at what probably a, a first or second rounder here in a couple of years. He's he's going to be special by the time he's done. Yeah, and there's always – I think during, during the Kim, Tim Corbin year, there's always guys where some of us have thought, okay, Tim really likes that kid, giving him a chance, and – we haven't seen it, but often those kids might be batting seventh, eighth, or ninth. The fact that the staff, the coaching staff, you know, obviously it's Tim's decision, but Tim's decision, but Baxter, I think every game he's played, he's batted somewhere in the top five of the lineup. That tells you all you need to know what they think about him, um, to me at least. That, that's why it's like, okay, his average isn't there. I agree with you, Chris. He was hitting some loud outs, but this kid obviously can play if they are putting him at third, fourth, fifth in the lineup, even when his production isn't there. That, that, that was all I needed to see. Well, there's two kinds of Tim Corbin chances, right? One of them is the, the Joel McKeithen chance. The, you've been around a long time. You've been behind other guys. We're going to give you a shot for a couple of weeks to see if you can win the job. And I would say Jason Gonzalez fell in that category, and that one's worked out splendidly. Although the feeling I know lacks a little bit, but the bat has been really loud. And then you got the Bulger one, and to me, when it's done with the freshman, that is very much an indicator of ability. Yes, uh, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I kind of all the stuff I said before, but yeah, and he's just um, and, and also playing, and, and we know what Tim values in defense too. <clears throat> and he hasn't been bad. I think there's been one ball maybe in left field where he didn't take the best of angle or something, but he, that he's not a natural outfielder. And they put him out there because this team has other outfielders, you know, what, you know, guys who played a little bit last year, you know, Matt Hogan, Will Duff could have easily inserted one of those guys in when, when Cooper Davis goes down. But again, they, they put a natural catcher uh, out in left field. One thing we've not really talked about a lot and you touched on it is how much time key guys have missed because Keegan, who's their best hitter in my mind, missed a couple of weeks you got their leadoff hitter, who I, I think that Cooper Davis is a fantastic leadoff hitter, and at, at the top of his ability, you know, probably a maybe a, a second team All SEC type player. I, I think that I've seen enough of him to know that when it's going well for him, he's potentially that good. Uh, he's not been the same since he got hit in the face. Uh, Dominic Keegan, or no, Keegan Colwick, excuse me, as you mentioned, has been out a couple of weeks. He was really hitting the ball. Isaiah Thomas has got a little bit of a hamstring injury, and I don't know, injury is the right word, but I guess it was, I can't remember if it was a hamstring or something, but he tweaked something, and I think he could have played if they need him, but they were kind of holding him out, which I think was the right call, especially with the leg injury. You got Michael Doolin, who would have been a big contributor on the pitching end. I think he's out for the year. I mean, look, a lot of teams, those injuries right there would have crippled this bunch, and yet they're sitting here at 23-3 and and chugging along, and it's seemingly only getting stronger. It's just been crazy to see. I think people maybe sometimes forget how good these guys are who've been hurt because the team has played so well. 
Yeah, couldn't agree more. I just this is an obvious statement, but it just tells you the depth, overall depth of the roster. Um, and as Tim Corbin, Tim Corbin's had great teams. Obviously, won two national championships. Had teams go 26 and three. But the thing in the past few years, to me, in, in pitching too, is we're seeing the overall depth from one through 35 or whatever the roster is now is as good as it's ever been. It might not be as top heavy as it's been, but the, you know, he keep, keeps stringing together his top classes and you're just in, just left with a roster loaded with talent. So I'm, I'm going to turn this on you, Chris. Everyone's healthy. In let's say two weeks, everyone's healthy offensively. Who's the odd man out? Or do you platoon Jones and, and, you know, you know, say Colwood comes back. What do you do there? Uh, Isaiah Thomas is healthy. Who's the odd man out? Okay. I think I go for sure. Bradfield's not leaving center. Young's not leaving shortstop. Rodriguez is my catcher at this point. That kid's had an amazing year. Both, both ends. Uh, Keegan is 100% my first baseman. And I think Colwick, if he's okay, is my second baseman. Um, that leaves third, and I know the defense has not been great. I would say, and I think I said this on a podcast yesterday, I think his errors have been tough ones, you know, hard angles, tough balls. I don't think that all errors are created equal. Like when you get an easy ground ball and you just sail one past the first baseman under no pressure, that's different than one of these choppers right. down the line that you, you probably should make the play if you're a good third baseman, but a lot of people don't, especially when your timing gets sped up. I still think I go with Gonzalez at third. Uh, you know, the, the luxury you have there is Nolan is a, is a left-handed hitter, so maybe a platoon. Um, corners, man. I think I go with Thomas in right. But the strikeout, sometimes he gets in a funk where maybe he just needs to sit down for a day. I mean, I think he's my everyday right fielder, but I qualify that because you saw Cooper Davis play right. I think if Cooper gets back and and hitting the way that he hits and, and Thomas doesn't become a strikeout liability, I think I go Davis in left, Thomas in right, and I think Bolger's my DH, maybe with Spencer Jones. Uh, depending on the matchup, again, you've got a lefty-righty situation there. But I think you have a luxury with Bulger being able to play left and Davis being able to play right against a tough matchup. So I, I guess I would say I've given you a ton of qualifications. You know, if everything is going full tilt, everybody is is on their game, then my lineup is, is Rodriguez going from catch around the infield. Rodriguez... Keegan, Colwick, Young, Gonzalez, uh, and, and then an outfield of Davis, Bradfield, and Thomas uh, with Bolger at DH. Uh, and, and, and I guess Parker Nolan is, is the odd man out in that case. But again, uh, you, you can maybe platoon at third. I, I've given you multiple qualifications that I think you should because it's a fallacy to think everybody's going to be clicking at the same time, right? I mean, that never happens. Somebody's always off somewhere. But yeah. that that is a long-winded answer. But you tell me where you disagree with my logic on this. and and, and yeah, was, because, because, frankly, there's so many good players. I probably have neglected something somewhere. But, but again, it's a great problem to have, right? 
Yeah, I, I don't think this would happen because Tim loves the kid and he's a good player and a great leader. But I'm looking, and it's not a huge sample size. It's nine SEC games, but but Cooper Davis is hitting 226 in SEC uh, on base percentage of only 333 in the SEC. Isaiah Thomas is hitting 417, slugging 800 on base percentage of 483 in the SEC. Now he's missed two games um, there. You know, I, I don't know how you sit Cooper Davis, but based and they want to give him every opportunity to come back from still work his way back. But based on what we've seen so far, he's been the least productive of the everyday players. Yeah. yeah. Um, now Colwick's only played one SEC series, and obviously that was the South Carolina one. He had the two home runs. He Nolan hasn't been bad defensively. He, you know, I think he had an error in the um, the Missouri series. I think it was. Um, but Colwick was was very good defensively there, and you know Spencer Spencer Jones has only play, played five SEC games, hitting three fifty three. So, um, I don't know what I would do. That's why I asked you the question. Well, let me qualify that a little more. I think it might depend on the part too, right? Because, yeah. like, if you're playing in Omaha, there's a lot of room out there, and you see sometimes where balls get over the heads of people, and sometimes you see really good defenders, and, and like Brian Reynolds comes to mind, crashing into the wall out there uh, in the first game against Louisville in 2014 and, and saving like a, a two-run double or whatever that was. I don't know if you remember that play. I think, and at Hawkins Field, too, you've got that big left field wall, and it's angled, and that can be really tricky to play. I do think if it's a game where runs are at a premium, Cooper maybe becomes a little bit more important in that spot. And and look, to Isaiah Thomas, we don't talk about his defense a lot, but the kid's right. got a cannon for an arm. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is presented by former Vanderbilt football player Jody Jones, DDS. Jody is trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones DDS brings a wide range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. Jody has earned the title of Nashville's number one dentist for cosmetic dentistry. He provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy the spy-like atmosphere that Dr. Jones provides. He has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they always get a high level of care. Thank you so much to Jody Jones, DDS, for making this season of the Vandy Sports Podcast possible. I don't remember them having this many options with any team ever, do you? I mean, I know I know that the 2019 would absolutely be in that discussion, but it feels like they've got maybe a part or two beyond what that team had. Now, I don't think at the top they don't have a Martin and a Bleday, although Keegan's been pretty elite when he's been healthy. Uh, but, but I think maybe this team doesn't have the one-two punch at the top, but I think maybe the bats go a couple deeper than that one. I think that's very fair. I would agree with that. Um, and I think what you do is, is maybe you, you just, you have a rotation and, you know, you have a three game series and, and Nolan gets two starts and Bulger gets a start or two. Jones gets a start or two. There's a, there's a way of keeping everyone involved. I know in college baseball, it's not like major league baseball where there's six, seven games a week, college baseball, there's only four. And you, if you guys are hitting well, you don't want to sit them, um, for any stretch, but th there's, there's ways to keep 10, 11 guys 
you know, involved in the lineup, and maybe that's what you do. And you know, we'll, we'll find out. Maybe Colwick's out longer than we think, and he, there's no decisions need to be made here. But obviously, it's a good problem to have. Well, the one thing that I have had a little difficulty grasping was Nolan hitting where he's hit. Look, Parker's having a good year. He's hitting 389 on base percentage, 455 slugging. You think a guy that starts the year as a cleanup hitter is going to drive the ball more than he has, but we haven't seen that yet. Now, having said that, frankly, for the first month, I wondered why in the world C.J. Rodriguez had been hitting as high as he was, and boy, now we see why. So maybe that's a situation where they see things from Nolan that we're not seeing, and, and, and those things flash at one point. But if I had one minor criticism to pick with their lineup selection, I, I think that Nolan has hit a spot or two higher than I might hit him. And, and certainly, you know, he started all 26 games. Um, sometimes it seems like maybe in the dominoes, he might be a guy that, that takes a seat to, for somebody else. But then again, um, you know, his contributions have come at third and, and second where they don't have a ton of bodies. I mean, it's basically him and Gonzalez at third, and he and Colwick at second. I mean, you, you could talk about Jack O'Dowd from the bat standpoint. I don't think they think that the defense is there with him yet. And, and Javier Vaz, uh, probably neither the bat or the glove up with the other guys. Uh, so it's not like they don't have any options. It's just that the options there are better. But that's the one thing that I, I've maybe scratched my head a little bit and going, okay, I'd, I'd like to see what you guys see in practice with him because uh, you see some guys that are hitting better than him hitting behind him at this point. Yeah. And just to, to pivot a little bit, I, I think one really encouraging thing too is Enrique Bradfield proving he's got staying power and he's not just a fast dude. Who's going to like slap the ball around and, and against maybe some inferior pitching, he's making hard contact against sec pitching. And I think that's one, that's a been a great sign. Pitching, I think the two questions we all have are the third starter spot and whether Luke Murphy can continue to hold down the closing spot. I mean, Murphy has, has been great. He struck out 18 uh, in 10 or third innings. He's only given up uh, one run that was earned. Guys are hitting 100 off him. Again, I think this is just what happens when a team is so elite. You start looking for things that don't even pop up elsewhere. But to me at this point, those are the two things I have. Is is Luke going to continue to show the command to keep that job, and what do they do in that three role? Yeah, it, it's funny how, I don't know, spoiled everyone is who follows this team because Schultz hasn't, you know, he hasn't been bad. I mean, what were the runs given? Oklahoma State was bad. I mean, they what, gave up 10 runs. South Carolina lost the Sunday game 5-4 or 6-5, was it? Uh, 6-5. Six, 6-5, five. Six, yeah. five, and then... Missouri was three to one in what was Sunday's game against LSU? Uh, five to four. Okay, so point being, they've given up six in SEC six runs, one run, and four runs on a Sunday, which is you know historically that's got to be very very good. Um, so it's a you know you you could roll him out there the rest of the season and, and still have a great season. So that I mean that doesn't solve that doesn't answer the question. Um, I would be surprised if he's not starting this week. A um, couple things on where you – I thought two really encouraging things this weekend where Sam Laboki looked great. Um, yeah, he's been – we got spoiled by him last year. His numbers were, like, as good as you can get. Uh, just go back and look at his hit standings, pitch, and all that stuff. And he'd been fine this year but not as dominant, but he was great over the weekend. I think it was it's Friday night. And then Ethan Smith um, was, was fantastic too and went two or three innings. So – um, 
I, I keep Murphy in that spot for now. I, you know, he's again, it's it's the kind of the the how many walks? Five walks, you know, but only giving up three hits, struck out eighteen dudes. When he needs an out, he can get it. Or he has gotten it. So, um, I guess to answer your question, I would say I don't see any change in the hierarchy uh, going at least in the short term. You know, the other thing that has kind of had me scratching my head on the pitching. First of all, I think Ethan Smith needs to throw more than he has, and I have a feeling he will. The yes, one I think thing, that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and Ethan, look, I know at times he's gotten hit a little bit, um, even in some games where the box score's been good. There's been a couple of hard-hit singles. But the kids pitched 11 and two-thirds innings, and it, it's kind of been flipped around a little bit from, you know, it seemed like he was going to be starting – a couple weeks before the season, and then all of a sudden he's probably the closer. And now he's kind of been in no man's land where he's neither, and they're winning some of these games by a lot of runs. And then so maybe a, a Patrick Riley or somebody like that gets a gets a look where to see what he can do, where, where maybe Ethan's the, the odd guy out. So I, I think it's just been a weird deal. But the one thing, this is one thing that I think I would have done differently. I don't understand sometimes – why Sam Laboki is pitching in, and it just seems like they've just determined, okay, I think it's uh, game one or game two, when that starter gets out, he's going to go the rest of the way, and sometimes that's with the eight, ten run lead or whatever it's been. To me, I would throw other guys first and maybe save him uh, for maybe a 3-2 game two situation or Sundays where they're having some issues. That's one thing that... I really, I'm not going to call it mismanagement because there's a lot to be said for the bird in the hand. And and sometimes you do see a game where you're leading 8-1 in the sixth inning and next thing you know, you've lost it 10-9. And I get that, but I think with the multitude of arms on this staff, I sometimes wonder why they don't save that bullet for a little bit later when, when they have had troubles game three on multiple occasions. Yeah, I agree. And, if you know, we all think probably that Laboki is the best reliever as far as if you need two or three innings in a you know a tight game um so i you know i I think coaches look at things differently than than we do um you know we could look at a 7-1 game in the eighth and be like oh this is over and and tim's over there worrying about this you know this could go wrong and all that stuff so the the burden hand like you said um so yeah i don't really have much to add to, to what you said there i thought it was interesting and i was glad to see him work his way out of a little bit of trouble you know, Miles Garrett could be a guy that they, I don't know if he'd start in a regional or anything like that. You know, they have other options, but could could throw some big innings. And and that was by, that was the most high pressure he had faced on the road of Baton Rouge. And again, he got into a little trouble, but got himself out of trouble. So I thought that was a positive sign. Yeah, you beat me to it. That was the next thing I was going to bring up is Garrett pitching in that spot. And frankly, I thought he he handled it pretty well. And Patrick Riley too. I mean, they actually had Riley up is the first guy in the bullpen, I think. And then they went to Garrett and then came back to Riley. But, again, very interesting to see him using those guys in those spots. To me, those seem to be the two freshmen that he's got the most confidence in at this point. And I don't think that's that's a wrong move. Both of them have pitched well. But this is one of these things where we said before the year, it's going to be really tough for a freshman to find – a spot on weekends where he pitches in meaningful situations. And those are two kids where the staff obviously trusts them both to do that. Yeah. Agree. Um, do you think Christian little keeps starting midweek? It's he's, you know, he's, he's gotten hit hard a couple times and they, they managed to you know score runs and, and not really be threatened. 
Um, is that just you think they're going to keep him in there to keep working through things? I do, and I can defend that one a little bit more. Um, we all kind of get, in, and I'm as much as anybody, we, we kind of get caught up in, okay, they need to win the game now, or, or they've made it a little closer than they needed to. And I get that, right? And when you're, when you're running off 10, 12-game winning streaks like this program does routinely, um, the losses stick out by sore thumbs. But the, the fact is, you've got to get some guys' experience, right? And barring something just crazily unforeseen, uh, locker or I keep doing that. I, I keep combining rocker and lighter into one pitcher, and I don't think the baseball world could handle that. Yeah. But uh, rocker and lighter are going to be gone. Ethan Smith, I'm guessing, probably is too. And so you're going to be in the spot where if you don't give guys experience, we're going to be going, well, you know, they're starting Little Laboki and whoever else next year, just Chris McElwain for argument's sake. Probably wouldn't be him, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And we're going to be sitting here 10 months from now going, well, we really don't know what to expect from these guys. And the other thing is you see a lot of guys, and especially really talented players, you look at some of the lines of these really highly touted freshmen, and it's not just at Vandy, it's everywhere, right? And they, they come in and you're like, well, wait a minute, he was supposed to be a first-rounder and he ended the year with a 6 ERA. Uh, well, the next year, that guy's the, you know, a year or two later, the pitcher of the year in the league. That's just how progression yeah. goes. We've seen so many freshmen who come in at Vanderbilt and just tear it up right away. We take that for granted. Oh, by the way, Christian Little's a, a year younger, a half year younger right. than everybody, too. So I think that this is a spot where you can see flashes where it works, right? Now, he awfully gets also gets hit awfully hard at times. Uh, but these are games, I mean, they've won, what, 22, 23 straight in the midweek. I think this is a spot where you're grooming a guy potentially to be your Friday night guy next year. You've got to take your lumps at some point, and they've got the luxury of they hit well enough to where when Christian takes his lumps, they seem to have enough firepower to where uh, they're coming back and these games are, are usually settled by the eighth inning. That's my take. That may end up costing them a game, by the way, but I think I can understand what they're doing. Yeah, and if they lose a midweek game, who cares, really? You know, as long as, um, you know, they keep keep playing well. I totally agree with your line of thinking. This is, as a quick aside, uh, I was at my son. My son plays for MLK uh, High School. And uh, at one game a couple of weeks ago, I said something about, um, like, someone on the other team was wearing a mask playing, like, while batting. And someone said, oh, he's wearing a mask batting. I said, yeah, it's the the venerable Illinois Chicago game. I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but Illinois Chicago, like those yeah, guys in the wore, field, they all wore them all mad. the time, right? Yeah, yeah. So one of the moms was sitting, I mean, ten feet away, or she was she was standing up taking pictures, and she said, "Oh, do you follow Vanderbilt baseball?" I said, "Yeah, actually, pretty closely." And she said, "Oh, one of my uh, one of my best friends' uh, sons on the team." So I expected I was like a mid-state guy, whatever. I said, "Oh, who?" She's like, "Oh, Christian Little." I was like, "Oh, wow." Um, and then I was like, they grew up together or something, but then her son came up to bat. So she started taking pictures or something. We never finished the conversation. Um, but, uh, I thought that was pretty funny that, um, um, just, uh, that, 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 cause you know, a little obviously from, from St. Louis, not from here. So, um, but that, that was pretty cool. I got a question for you. Uh, you might know more about it. The news came out yesterday about the NCAA, about predetermined regional sites. Do you know how that's going to affect elite teams potential ability to host 
you know, I got busy and didn't dig into that as much as I wanted. It sounded to me, tell me if this is how you read it. Um, it, it the more I read it, it sounds to me like they're going to award regionals based on who bids and based on merit. It's just going to be, what, two to three weeks before the end of the season? Uh, I didn't read it close enough, but I thought it was, I saw two to three weeks. So if it's two to three weeks before the season, that makes a lot more sense than two to three weeks from now. Um, so based on what your interpretation, it's Vanderbilt would still have a very, very good chance of, of hosting the first, you know, regional and super regional. Is that, was that your, your take on it? Well, yes and no, because I asked the school yesterday, I said, are you guys committed to bidding on a regional? I, I didn't state it just like that, yeah. but that's what I was getting at. And they said they're still deciding whether they would bid for a regional or not. So they haven't even decided Vanderbilt whether they're going to submit a bid for a host, which I think is silly. I'm not going to get into political debate, but look, vaccines are coming out. These things don't seem to spread outdoors. You know, we're in a society where you can measure your own risk. This has been a thing for 13 months now. I think it would be a tragedy if they don't make an effort to let their own school host and let people make up their mind. Uh, if you don't have the vaccine or you have your vaccine and you don't feel safe, then, then don't go. But don't take this out of the hands uh, of the fans at a time where they can't come anyway. You know, don't don't rob us of, of seeing Jack Leiter, the, the only regional he's ever going to pitch at home. Kumar Rocker, the last time he's going to pitch at home. I just hope the school... Uh, We'll just go ahead and say, hey, we're going to bid on it. Maybe there's some complications. Maybe we can work on those things. But I think to let the regional go, uh, and, and frankly, I would worry at that point about really ticking off my head coach, too. I, I just don't think that's a, a thing you would. I, I, I hope Vanderbilt will make the bid for the regional and, and host, and, and maybe you manage it with caution. I don't know. Uh, but that's what I understand is they still have not made up their mind on whether they're even going to submit a bid to host. Yeah, interesting. I hadn't thought it all the way through, obviously. Um, so, yeah, no, that's interesting. I agree with you. I'd love to see it here and you kind of go at your own if you're comfortable with. Um, I have been double vaccinated. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. And that's Wednesday. That's usually first and second weekend in June. So, or what, what like Memorial Day weekend. And in, 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 no, actually, it's, it's the first and second weekend in June. So, um, hopefully, things progress in, in a positive way. Yeah, I'm trying to go back and read Kendall Rogers' tweet. Unfortunately, he's tweeted several times since he sent that one out. But the way I read it was, I think they're going to make a determination uh, middle of May or so on who's going to host. And and frankly, I I don't see Vanderbilt falling out of the, the top 16 by the end. I think that's going to be oh, yeah. <laughs> a real stretch to, to see Vanderbilt not one of the 16. And I guess you... You decide to host, and you can see them later. But I think that if Vanderbilt's going to host, I mean, I would, I would think there's a 99 percent chance they get one if they so choose. Yeah, I would agree. Ready for a quick mailbag question? Sure. All right, let me find it here. Okay, today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood, who can take care of your insurance needs. Call him today, six one five. 933-1979. Email him at josh at HQ Insurance. Follow him on Twitter at joshuminthonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdminthonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business on the podcast. 81J asks, Chris, is your roster chart up to date, including info on draft-eligible sophomores? I'll answer that. No, it's not. I've not done a good job of updating my roster charts, just frankly because... COVID has is, is thrown this all into to question, and I don't even know how to go about these anymore. But uh, 
that part of the question is answered on my end. Then he asked Chris and Mitch, we know that this year's draft is 20 rounds. Let's assume next year's is as well. Who would you expect to be drafted? And then the question cuts off, but it, I guess he means in each year. So let's run down the list of players, everyday players, um, starting with the lineup. Keegan drafted easy. Um, Bradfield drafted easy. Thomas. Um, well, Bradfield's a freshman. What do you mean? Well, in two years. Oh, two years. I, I think he said the next two years. I mean, frankly, find somebody in the they're lineup not, who's not going to get drafted. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would think every everyday player would get drafted when they're draft eligible. Yeah, I mean, Jason Gonzalez. Jerry I, I wasn't asking who he expect who we expect back next year. Well, the question cut off. He didn't okay. finish it, so we're having to do a little guesswork here. Okay. And it ended with who do you expect to be drafted? So I think, frankly, all the lineup guys, everybody that's playing every day, I think it's drafted. And I don't know that, say, Colwick, Gonzalez, um, and, and maybe at this point, Cooper Davis, um, because he's a year older and it's not going well for him. But I mean, Davis, somebody will take a chance on him, I think, just for his speed. Uh, Colwick flashed enough with the bat and was good enough defensively. Gonzalez um, is kind of that quintessential really good college hitter. Is he going to make enough contact at the pro level, and does he have a position guy? Um, Right. I I would agree. You know, obviously not a scout and don't look for the same thing scouts do, but, um, you know, I I would think of the – despite his great start, and we're all happy to see that, that he's probably not considered a, a, a big prospect. Keegan is really intriguing to me. I would love to know what the scouts think about him because I think the bat for college is looked elite in the small sample that we've seen him this year. Uh, but, you know, guys who can hit at first base, there's a lot of those guys, and so you've got to really be elite. I don't know what opinion is on that. I mean, uh, he did. I don't right. think he's no, so a. Like I, yeah. If he, goes, if he proves he can catch, I mean, he might. He won't get that opportunity at Vanderbilt, but if he's drafted as a catcher, are the scouts looking at him as a catcher? That obviously changes the uh, the outlook. Yeah, maybe he's a, a Kirk Casale type down the road. I don't. Oh, I think the bat's better in this case. Yeah. But again, we haven't seen a lot. Carter going to be going to be very intriguing. I think that kid has probably made himself a lot of money this year because I did not expect the hitting to come the way that it has. Yeah, I mean the the only knock you can say, and this is pick is strikes out a lot, but um, he has been phenomenal in both in every aspect of the game, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, in defense, I don't think there's any question. C.J. Rodriguez is another one. Uh, he's just been excellent all over the board. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, he's. He, I think he, he missed another home run. I forgot what game it was, but hit it foul by a few feet. Uh, maybe sat, maybe the Friday's game. But uh, he, he has a knack for driving the ball deep, line drives deep. You know, his home runs haven't been towering. They've been line drives. Yeah, pitching, I mean, there's there's probably a dozen guys on this roster or more who'll get picked. Right. And there'll be some guys that, you know, who don't pitch a lot, as we've seen at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's had guys who who don't really either make the rotation or, or key bullpen guys still get drafted. So yeah, it, you know, you'd expect most guys who contribute on a Vanderbilt roster to be drafted when they're eligible. Yeah, Hugh Fisher's gonna be the poster child for that this year. Hugh may get through the season with 18 innings and be a third round pick. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. That's just kind of how it goes. 
that's the last of the questions, Mitch. I know you're a little pressed for time today, so I want to give it to you to finish up the pod today. Yeah, no, nothing, not much else going on. Um, on the athletic today, Keith Law had an update on some of the some of the draft prospects. He, he noted that he thinks Leiter is now number one on most people's, and noted that that um, Kumar's velocity has been down. His effectiveness has has stayed the same, but his velocity has been down, which we've all seen. He said that could be temporary. No one really knows. Um, so, um, again, addresses, and I think you'll continue to see a lot more of that stuff in the athletic. A lot of the teams, the Rangers, the Pirates, I know all their writers, the, the Rangers writer wrote, wrote something uh, lengthy about Rocker and Leiter and, and Jordan Lawler, who's what, a Vanderbilt commitment, the shortstop. So there'll be uh, a lot of Vanderbilt slash draft coverage coming up in the next few months at the athletic. Yeah, I glanced at that this morning. Keith does really good work. Uh, at, the lighter, the rocker thing is going to be interesting to me because I was wondering when people would start talking about the dip in velo, but I think that has happened to him um, maybe a couple years ago where he wasn't throwing as hard as he did at, at year's end. And uh, as somebody pointed out to me in a text conversation about this this morning, sometimes his fastball plays up a little better when his velo dips. So I don't know what's going on there. I mean, in this day and age, too, even if you got a guy hurt or, 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 not hurt. I, that's that's not the main. Maybe pitching at less than one hundred percent is a good way to put it. Um, you know, like all the, all these guys have arm problems at some point, right? I mean, um, almost all of them. So I don't know that it's a disqualifier, even if that were to go horribly wrong. I mean, I I couldn't see letting Rocker slip out of the top ten picks. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and he's been effective too. It's not like he's getting hit hard, and um, he's been last two starts. He's been very effective. So you know, something something to monitor going forward. But um, um, you know, again, far from a scout, but it's it's hard not to be impressed with with a little bit slightly more impressed with what Leiter has been doing. Well, I think if Rocker were really ailing, you would see that show up in the walk and hit by pitch numbers, and you haven't. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Again, he's been he's been as effective as he's been as pretty much any time in his in his career. So um, it's just just something to monitor going forward. Mitch, appreciate you joining us. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, I guess you've already promoted the athletic or anything else like that that you'd like to get out there. Yeah, that's about it at, at Mitch Light on on Twitter, and um, that's about it. All right, thanks, All right, Mitch. Thanks. We'll see you next right. week. Take care, Chris. He's Mitch Light. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll be back with more episodes later this week.